Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 72 of the Holtcast. Jack Grimsey joined by Robert Lintot again. He was off last week, but glad to have you back, Robert. I'm glad to be back, and thanks to James for covering uh, very ably in my position. I'm a little worried about my uh, job as co-host. Yeah, I mean, James James did a good job. You have every reason to be worried, especially <laughs> with your, your holiday travel schedule. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm going to get replaced. I think I might get Gabby Agbonlahord. <laughs> We'll talk about Gabby a, a little bit later. As Remy Gard said, hey, I, I might move Gabby on if I can actually find someone who would buy him. I know, personally, I think Gabby could destroy teams in the championship, so we probably need to hold on to him just in case, we, or for when, or rather when we go down. What, what do you think about this? Gabby Agbonlahor as a striker down in the Ithsmian League? <laughs> what is that, the, the seventh level, and there's yeah. 72 teams? I don't think he, he could stay fit for that many games. <laughs> I bet he would destroy though. Yeah, he'd just be he'd be like a Vardy in the lower league. It'd be <laughs> kind of a reverse, just totally opposite career paths. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. Uh let's uh, make it happen, Remy. Gabby did come on late against Southampton, which I finally just got around to watching the match last night I was traveling. And all I remember that Gabby did was needlessly clear a ball and give Southampton a throw very late in the day that there was no pressure on him. He just booted it into the stands. Well, the fact that you can remember him doing that puts you head and shoulders above me, who just literally remembered, as you said, that that he had come on. So, yeah, he didn't do much. He didn't add much, which is not even a little bit shocking. If only we had another striking option. I mean, it just seemed like he was brought on as the sub used to waste time. But, yeah, like you're saying, um, Libor Kozak, again – Again, scoring goals for the U21s. Yeah, two of them this week. And the guy is probably never going to... It's been... You sent me an article the other day. It's been two years since he broke his leg. Two years since he's been on the pitch for Aston Villa. Yeah, I'm actually on the the proper pitch with the senior team. And, I mean, we we were talking about Tiago Lori as well. I just kind of refuse to believe he even exists until he suits up for the senior team. <laughs> but, I mean, that's fair. He was on the bench. Yeah, was he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I never actually got visual confirmation of that, so that's, that's a good point. Um, but anyways, let's let's get back to, to Southampton. Like I said, I just watched it, and if I had watched it live... I, that would have been one of the most terrifying experiences because within two minutes they should have been up 2-0. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's one of those things where if you just look at the result, traveling to Southampton and getting a point is not a bad result. But, boy, that doesn't tell the story of that match at all. Villa were absolute piles of crap. Yeah, steaming, steaming piles of crap. <laughs> but really, I mean, could have lost by five, I think. But, um, you know... I don't, I don't really know what to say. It's, you can't say that they defended well because there were a lot of clear-cut chances for Southampton and a lot of corners that nearly missed and really really poor marking. I was disappointed with Carl Sanchez's marking on corners. He, Southampton's goal, um, who was that? Uh, Stephen Davis? Yeah, uh, maybe. Carl Sanchez lost, and both Rudy Justed and... I think Lescott missed a header at the at the front post, and you have two big guys marking. It was either Pele or Virgil Van Dijk, and they both lost track of him. And it was, it was Romeo. Romeo scored the goal. Oh, Romeo! Oh, of yes, course. Sir. 
Yeah. Champions um, League winner with Chelsea or Real Romeo. <laughs> but but yeah, you're right. Sanchez's marking was terrible. Sanchez's passing was, for the second match in a row, just absolutely atrocious. Yeah, but I thought he really made some good tackles. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. When he's not controlling the ball, he's mostly good. His marking wasn't great this match, but he's mostly good off the ball. But when you give him the ball, it's like giving the ball to Brad Guzan, seemingly. Yeah, he literally needs to be played alongside somebody that he can square a ball maybe two feet to, that, yeah. they, can, that they can just take it. Yeah, absolutely. And on and last weekend, it wasn't just Sanchez. There was, I believe it was Bakuna tried to send a pass back, Alan Huttonways, something like that. Oh, my like God. I, I was watching the match and showed my brother. I re- rewinded it and showed it to him, and I said, I think the pass I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, I mean... And it was a strong foot, too. It wasn't... Yeah, and there was no pressure, and the person he was passing it to, I can't remember, maybe it was a Cora. Yeah, no, he just, I think he just tried to switch switch the play from the left flank to the right flank, and it yeah. just sailed yeah. on him. There was no pressure on Bakuna, there was no pressure on the person he was passing to. It was it was as bad as anything Brad Guzan has kicked this year. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. And for But for all the goals that Southampton had, Villa really could have had more than one, I think. Um, again, very late in the day, Ashley Westwood struck a volley with his left foot, which he maybe had more time, and it went just wide. That mm-hmm. was a chance. Another chance, Jordan Ayew was bowled over at the top of the box, and no call from the referee, which was it was disappointing. But Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jordan let's... Ayew is really coming into his own lately. Yeah, I thought I thought he was our best player. It's stunning how when you don't stick him out in a corner, he's actually useful, Tim Sherwood. Yeah, just back, far back left on the wing, like, okay. Yeah, exactly. No, he's he's been playing very well lately, and I think, um, you know, if Villa are going to start scoring, he's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, and he has been, obviously not last match, last time out, but he has been scoring recently, and, yeah, you and, know, and as much, course- much more of a threat than just that. He's just as good of a header of the ball as we saw from, the diving header he'd scored a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah. obviously much more reliable with his feet and compared to Justed, who totally whiffed on an easy ball into the box. With, or not an easy ball. It was a great ball into the box with pace. And you don't have to swing at that. You just have to stick your foot out and get something on it. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't fall flat on his back Charlie Brown style. He whiffed so hard at that. <laughs> That's literally the, the best comparison to that is – Charlie it, Brown trying to kick the football. It was so bad. I I just there's how how are you a professional top league striker and you you didn't even like miss hit the ball. You literally oh. did not touch the ball. I I cannot comprehend that. Yeah, he, he tried to make it a lot more difficult than it needed to be. I mean, in in fairness, if he gets all his power behind that it there's a chance it goes through the back of the net like rips a hole through it because it was came in with so much pace mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i mean i can see what he was thinking there but i just that kind of basic failure of hand eye co- or foot eye coordination is just stunning to me it, it it's unacceptable yeah and then i found myself in the in the strange position of trying to explain why we have a striker who can't really use his feet <laughs> it's like we'll yeah he scored the most headed goals in england over the past couple of years but they've been in the championship so i don't really count them he's terrible with his feet though why do we play this guy 
Yeah, remember uh, in, remember in August when we thought he could actually be pretty good for us this year? Yeah, and maybe it's because we thought maybe Sherwood would have everyone crossing the ball in. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah Feel free to throw me into the bus here because I can't remember if you actually felt good about him or not, but I did. Uh, no, I, th- I thought he was definitely going to, to give us a presence for set pieces, which we've looked better at this year than – all the other years, I've liked Villa combined, I think. Yeah, that's true. And and when we get the right person taking set pieces and getting the ball into goal-scoring machine Julian Lescott... Hey, Lescott has peasy. always been a good finisher. What was that? Lescott's always been a good finisher. And I think one season, actually, at Everton, he scored... It was either five or ten goals. It must have been five. <laughs> I, ten, can't, I can't imagine it being ten. Incredible, but... But it was it was um, you know the two thousand eight nine season when when Young had the the late late winner at Everton when Lescott had just leveled it and I think he had their opener as well with kind of a somewhat of a bicycle kick. Yeah, um, it, you know, but it was nice to see him get a goal and to make himself useful for us. Yeah, at least at least get one back for all the for all the goals he's cost us. 2007-2008, uh, he scored eight goals in the league. Yeah, okay, yes. And ten goals total, because he got two in Europe that year. Okay, so I wasn't just lying, but... 2007-2008, yeah, ten goals. Holy crap, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. I uh, take back the sarcasm in my voice for goal-scoring machine Julian <laughs> Lescott. That's, that's like a total that could lead... I mean, it would probably lead Villa this year if he if he replicated it. Come yeah. Season. Well, he's he's ten percent of the way there. Come on, Julian. <laughs> I just meant eight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then he's twelve and a half percent of the yeah. way there. Come on, Julian. Yeah, but I guess looking looking at some more stats, we were outshot twenty three to nine and lost the possession battle thirty seven to sixty three. Which, and we did have we did have some spells of possession in the second half. I I think Idrisagana is really really good player about getting getting the ball forward, getting into attacking areas. He'll always try to take a man on. Uh, like you said, with set pieces, Jordan Vera, too, is, is becoming very reliable as someone who can get a corner over the first man, which I think is maybe why Westwood's not starting. I mean, that could be. Or, although, which is kind of crazy to think about it. Like, if you just start Westwood and don't let him take set pieces. Yeah, it's, exactly. I, He's not that big of a guy. You can push him off the corner flag if he's standing over there, Veritu. Yeah, you just move. It's it's fine, dude. No, mate. Just just let him stand right next to you and pretend to take the corner. Like if you've got a child in the kitchen with you or something like that. Or just make him always give you the ball in a short corner and you just. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just let him feel like he's doing something, but. Yeah. Um, the thing that I think aggravated me the most was at the. God, it was about the final seven minutes of the match. Villa time-wasting. Villa holding on for dear life for that draw. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, at that point, it's it's worth it to try to look for a winner. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, a lot of people tried to tell me it's, it's a point. It's better than a loss. At this point in the season, given how some of the teams ahead of us are doing, I'm not actually convinced that a point is all that valuable. I feel like this was a match that was... Villa played like junk, but it was a winnable match because any match that you're tied in the last 10 minutes is a winnable match. Why bunker? Go for those three points because that would be a huge difference right now, having two more points on the board. Yeah, weighing, I guess, uh, the value of gaining two compared to losing one. Yeah, and I think it is... I agree with you there. Yeah, and, and 
before anyone gets upset, I realize that in some ways this is really illogical because, you know, if if we're going to survive, it will take a few draws here and there. Um, so you know, this will help. But at this oh, point, yeah, but I feel you know, if you if you sh just play out and go for the win, it doesn't necessarily mean you're either going to win or lose. You could still end up with a draw. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, you know, and right now being at eight points would be a hell of a lot better than being at six because right now we're we're six points behind the second to last team and seven behind 18th. It's just yeah, shout out to Liverpool for my garbage against Newcastle. Yeah, um, we really appreciate that, Liverpool. You bunch of wankers. Um, it's just, you know, it's tough to see where we're going to get wins. This was one of those matches where you can look at it and say, okay, maybe that's a win. And especially once we got into those final 10 minutes, yeah, maybe this was a win. And the fact that we wasted it just pissed me off. Yeah, I mean, especially when you take the lead. Yeah. And um, right on, it was a great time to go ahead, as, as good as any right on the stroke of halftime. It's, you know, it's not like if we would have had that clear-cut chance that Southampton had maybe at the beginning and scored the one goal, then it's, oh, God, now we're up a goal and they have 90 minutes to find two, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing where maybe you bunker, but don't bunker. I I don't know. It just it. A lot of people on Twitter were trying to tell me that I was crazy for it, but it made me so angry that they were wasting time. Especially because we were coming into the match as what we just do these days. We were kind of bunkered to begin with, and it just doesn't work because yeah. we're just terrible. Like that's that's all there is to it. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing about this match is if you go to the BBC recap of this match, there's an entire section called, How Did Southampton Not Win? <laughs> That's amazing. With, with a graphic talking about possession and whatnot, and a caption that says, Southampton made 544 passes against a Villa side who made 321. They made 223 more passes than we did. Um, we've been outpassed out by much worse numbers, and I'm sure we will again Sunday when we host Arsenal. But yeah, get onto it, that later. But yeah, and it was it was weird substitutions again. Um, Westwood on for Justed in the 75th minute. Richardson on for Bakuna in the 78th. I understand the the Westwood Westwood on if you're gonna eventually or maybe not eventually, but. Shortly after that, bring on another striker for a different midfielder. You know, maybe it's just yeah, exactly. But I mean, in absence of that, don't replace Justed with Westwood. Replace him with I don't know, Gabby Agbon Lahore would have probably been junk. But you also had Adama Traore and Carlos Hill on the yeah, bench. Either of those would have been a better option. That, if you're going to make that substitution, it, it makes sense if you're defending the goal lead. Mm -hmm. Um. And then last thing you do is you do Gabby for Sinclair, so you have someone to, to punt up to that can just run onto it. But, yeah, absolutely. But this was after it was tied, and nothing yeah. signaled, well, shit, let's hold on for a point more than Ashley Westwood for Rudy Justed. Yeah. And, Which, I mean, Justed was kind of limping around. He looked like he'd picked up a knock. And, and again, that's fine. Pull off Justed, but yeah. put in Traore, put in Heel. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's just ridiculous to me that, you know, why why bunker at that point? Oh, but at least we have a manager now that's using the substitutions. Yeah, I mean, well, is he, though? Because he didn't use that Gabby one until the 95th minute, at which point it's just a time. Waste time. 
Yeah, but, I mean, it, it wasn't a substitution. Uh, to help. I guess I'm going back to Lambert. Okay. Who would just use this one in like the 88th? Yeah, no, that's true. It just, I don't know. It's, it seems to me as if all of the villa managers lately are making this much more complicated than it needs to be. And again, I don't know how much they have to work with, and they're probably just screwed no matter what. Yeah, I mean, that very well could be it. And I, so looking ahead, are Villa screwed? Does the yeah, point really help us? To, you just have to assume that we're down, and if, if we can recover, amazing. If not, okay, you already knew we were down. You can't, you can't think that, like, at this point, it's just a matter of time, really. It's a formality in, in my book. Yeah, I, I totally just, agree. Just give yourself time to prepare, do whatever you need to do to just accept reality. I mean, it was good that Sunderland lost this weekend, so we gained a point on Sunderland. Mm -hmm. But with Bournemouth and uh, Newcastle both winning, that draw didn't do us a lot of good. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk about rooting interests a little bit later, at least a couple of them. But now Swansea fired Gary Monk, and they've kind of been in a tailspin. They only have one win since August, and... Guess who it was against? Yeah. Do you kind of wish that uh, Gary Monk had been available when we fired Tim Sherwin? Mm, not really. I mean, I, I don't think he's a bad manager. I don't think he's as good a manager as much upside as guard. I'm still kind of surprised he got let go from Swansea because he was one of their own. He was. I think that's why he was in the job is because, I mean, obviously he was a player at the time when he, he took over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Guard is better than Monk, but the thought but, did cross think, my I mind. Monk, I think Monk will get a get a championship job and have a chance to prove himself again. I, th I think he's he could be a really good manager, but yeah, I I totally agree. Um, all right, enough with Southampton. That seemed fair. Oh yeah, de definitely. We <laughs> F that match. Spent a little more time on it, but went into some some deeper issues. Uh, looking ahead, I guess uh, Jack Grealish is back. Yeah, you had a piece on that, Robert. Yeah, I, you know, it's good that he's back, and and I do think he's probably made some stupid decisions. But I wrote a bit that you know it's kind of dumb to hold these players to the same standards that we would hold ourselves because, I mean, think about it. Jack Relish is twenty years old. We were all idiots when we were twenty years old, um, and when you partner that with the fact that he's basically been cloistered in a life of football since he was younger than ten. Of course he's going to be an idiot, and of course he's going to make stupid decisions. So I think we just have to keep that in mind with stuff like this. But it's good that he's back, and like you have here, hopefully he learned, learned something. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's not like he was playing at a level that showed he deserved to be in the first team or starting week in, week out. So, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it was just a wake-up call for him and got his focus back. I mean, I know after we got throttled by Everton, I know I went out and he got drunk as shit, so, I mean, that's a natural reaction. Yeah, absolutely. He's, I mean, it's sure. Great, do it. Um, I just hope he's playing better. I don't really care about what he does off the pitch. I'd yeah, like to see him playing better. He's every night if he's the best player on the pitch. That's... Yeah. And, and the thing is, he doesn't need to be the best player on the pitch, nor does he even have to be quite as good as he was in that tail end stretch of last year. He's got to be... A presence on the pitch, which he yeah, hasn't just, been just this year. Just a contributory year. member is not not someone who's the Kieran Richardson who's going to give you a five or six out of ten every time and kind of have a, a net neutral effect on the team. Someone who's going to give the team something, someone that really makes you deserve your place. Because Sinclair has been playing well enough to stay. Yep. I has been playing very well, and with Carlos Hill in the mix, you know those. It's 
as bad as Villa are, it's not necessarily easy to crack the first team at one of those positions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and he doesn't need to be the savior. And and hoping for him to be the savior is setting yourself up for disappointment. But he does and need have, to be have, above average. You'd have to imagine he is he puts a lot of pressure on himself as well as mm -hmm. being a local kid and Hoyle's front saying, mate, you've, you've got to save Villa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So but I'm glad that he's back. I, I think um, working him back into the team is maybe a sub, you know, as one of your – as in the, you know, Justed needs to come off instead of Westwood, let's put Grealish in kind of role. Yeah, something use him – just you got to use your subs. Yeah, and he can positively impact the game, and he's shown that. And if his playing is back, he's a really valuable asset for Villa. So I'm, I'm glad that Guard did what he did. And I'm also glad that Jack is back. It's not. It doesn't seem like Guard is holding a grudge like a Lambert or a Sherwood would. No, no, definitely. I think he was just trying to do his step, not necessarily make an example, like a big example of him, but just kind of just say, "Hey, I'm going to have some discipline." Yeah, pull your head out of your ass, and once you got it out of your ass, you're welcome back. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think I think that's good management. Yeah, exactly. You know, just I think I think Guard's really been doing. Everything, everything right so far, which is good. And you know, even if we do go down, we'll keep Remy Guard, and that's, that's good. I certainly hope so. I th I really honestly think Guard is the the person to build around. Yeah, I mean, just his his youth mentality, and you know. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Um, um, elsewhere, it's almost January. Yeah, so we we're talking about striking options, forwards, and such, and. Let's talk about a little bit about transfer rumors before, before it really really starts to heat up silly season, but right around the corner. But we were linked with a striker from Dinamo Zagreb, uh, Armin Hodzic. Uh, he's Bosnian, um, played for Liverpool a couple of years ago. The U21s got um, sold back to Croatia to Zagreb, and he has nine goals for tw in twelve games for them this year in the league. He's very young. I think he's, I think he's nineteen. Yeah. Twenty. Um, I I like the idea. I like the fact that we, you know, we obviously need a goal scorer. Um, is is striker your biggest position of need right now? Mm, outside of left back, which I think we're going to solve internally by bringing back Ellie Sissoko and also Joe Bennett's loan. Mm -hmm. And it, it'll be interesting to see who gets registered in the squad, though. Because I think new registration maybe in Zagbia gets left out because if you need to if you need to put in two more left backs to you know compete with Kieran Richardson for the place. Well, maybe, remember Amavi will get left out. Yeah, and Amavi will be left out, so that's, that's so. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we if we drop Inzagria. Remy Gard has shown a liking of Inzagria, and Inzagria in his couple of chances under guard has played decently. That's I'm true. not sure if he's the person to cut right now. Maybe it's Richardson. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I I don't know I think he's he's too versatile to to be out and not dropped because he can play a little further forward but you know it's it's interesting and if if we're bringing a striker in you definitely have to figure a striker is going to be going out whether that be Libra Kozak who if he doesn't get a chance to prove himself before just getting shipped off that's basically just criminal in my opinion but. We also have seen that uh, links saying that Remy Gard could sell Gabby Agbalnahar. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be totally fair at this point. He's not really contributing all that much. I um, can't see Gabby leaving Birmingham, though. 
I okay, sell them to Birmingham City then. Oh my god. <laughs> the hammer has been dropped. <laughs> I I have the feeling we're about to get a lot of nasty comments, but whatever. I stand by that joke. Um you know, it's Gabby has not contributed all that much. Um he's he hasn't had too much of a chance to this year's injury issues a little bit, but yeah, over the over the past couple of years, you're right. Yeah. Adam did a nice little deep dive into some of the expected goals statistics uh, behind Astonville. And, of course, there's problems and issues with expected goals. But Gabby is the one striker we've had who is not performing where he should be in terms of expectations from where he's taking his shots and whatnot. Apparently, he had 1.5, basically, expected goals, and he scored zero. Um if you compare that to Justed, who scored three goals compared to his 2.76 expected, or Ayu, who scored three from his 1.8 expected, you know, they're both overperforming what statistics would tell us to expect from them. Um, as much as I like those numbers, though, I would still say that everyone's pretty much underperforming. Oh, yeah. I mean, th those numbers only measure once you get into scoring chances, and if you're underperforming by way of not putting yourself into position, that's not going to show up on on the metrics. Yeah, absolutely. And what Adam points out in his article is that a lot of the issue is Villa aren't creating chances very well. They, uh, the creative players aren't doing what they should. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely correct. It, and I mean, a lot of it comes down to people like Carlos Sanchez turning the ball over, or the defense hoofing along and not holding on to possession and to get those creative players the ball. I mean, it starts from the back, and when Goose ends. Sending it into the seats, it's it's hard to create a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think I would agree with you, though. Left back is probably the first cause of concern. Um, but this might have to be a busy January. I think we do need a striker unless Lieber Kozak suddenly gets freed and liberated. Um, liberated. <laughs> and we need – I think we need a backup keeper. Yeah. I think I, we I, need a viable option outside of Guzan. I agree. If you could bring in a keeper like, I don't know, Loris Karius was – mentioned from from mines previously or you know if you could bring in someone that's better than Brad Guzan great but you need to bring in someone who can challenge him and just kind of shake him up just to say hey you're not on the team sheet because there's literally no one else who could supplant you yeah let's let's uh let's break the bank and bring in Neuer <laughs> yeah just sell the club for a player I was gonna say that would be about the asking price for Villa at this point um yeah, we got a let's let's move to Twitter questions. We actually got a, a relevant one for those transfer topics from the Mighty Lions. It's at Lions underscore eighteen seventy four. Asking who do you think we sh or who should we target in January? And do you think Lerner will splash the cash to stay up? And since we've mentioned the targets, you know, I think I think Lambert will, or excuse me, not Lambert. I think Lerner will will spend a bit of money because you know it's it's now or never. If, if you don't spend the money, then you're down, and you, by that nature, lost even more money. If if we still have six points in January, though, you probably say, "Well, we're not going to make this up." So I am going to, in fact, cut my losses. That could be. Um, there's a little part of me that you know, economics-wise, says if you can blow, let's just be absurd for a second. If you blow fifty million in January and you save the club, you make that up in the TV money difference between the Championship and the Premier League next year. Oh yeah, and then and you'll have some players that you can eventually move on in the summer, and it will be, there's no issue at all if, if 
provided you stay up. But yeah, the thing is, Villa need to get closer to striking distance, just like you said. They need to be more than six points. Yeah, and I guess I guess one target maybe could be Charlie Austin, which has been has been brought up before, and I I think that's that's a decent shot of striker because he has a track record of scoring goals. Yeah, absolutely, and not just with his head. Yeah. <laughs> Some some screamers and also just bundling in some Libra Kozak skills, which that's what needs to be done. I wonder if Nicholas Hellenius is still available. Oh my gosh. Would, uh, so one thing that I was thinking, you were saying if someone needs to be cut from registration, is it time to cut ties on Leander Bakuna? Hmm. That's that's interesting because I, I would be really tempted. I mean, I I don't dislike the guy. I think he's more valuable than some of the other players, but I'm not sure what he offers for the second half of the season that is absolutely necessary. It would be good because then maybe like Hutton gets injured and then you're just absolutely forced to play Michael Richards at right back and yeah. that's like a problem solved two for one. Like, <laughs> like, oh, I didn't see this coming, but actually I was hoping it would happen. So Yeah, that would be my only problem with cutting Bakuna is at this point there are three right backs on the mm-hmm. roster. Michael Richards, Alan Hutton, and Leander Bakuna. And if one gets injured Jordan V style, then boy, howdy, is that another big worry? Yeah, yeah, it's. it's I mean, Akora has played some right back before. Ilori could Gary maybe Ilori, play there if, if he exists. I've heard he can play right back. Crespo uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, other other There's question. a guy you could cut from the registration. Oh, Crespo, yeah. Um, that would probably be better than Bakuna. Probably. Um, I had like forgotten. You could, you could play him a little forward. He's an, an energy sub to bring on. To run yeah. Around. Again, and that's not a personal statement. I think Bakuna is better than some of the other players. I'm just not sure if he's what's needed right now. Yeah, or if he always just needs to be shoehorned into the team. and you know. Yeah. He's that um, one guy on Football Manager that you can plug in and get like a yellow anywhere on the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> And so you're like, well, I keep him around just just as a super sub. But yeah, yeah, just in case. Uh, other question was from Mark Bannister at 1874 FC on Sunday. Should I either a watch the villa or b cook a chicken chicken tikka masala from scratch? Clue one is fun with a good result, and I mean that's that's as, simple in my book. That's one of my favorite foods. As, as proprietors of a forthcoming cooking podcast, I think we have to go in favor of the tikka masala. Yeah, I, I mean, I to be fair, I, I never make it from scratch. I always just get the, the one from Trader Joe's, but it's just the coconut curry sauce is it's amazing. Mark did just give me an idea. If we ever do the cooking podcast, we can do uh, football and food, and we can call it chicken tikka taka masala. Oh, that's a good one. So, well, so we've got a name for the cooking pod now. Chicken tikka taki messiala. <laughs> I've done I've done tikka masala from scratch, and it's actually surprisingly easy, and the results are so delicious. Yeah, sorry, Marco. I guess you have your plans sorted for Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So go cook yourself some chicken tikka masala. It's the best. Oh, uh, so let's let's look at the the rooting interest for the weekend. We were talking about the the other group of bad teams clustered slightly. Ahead of Villa on the table, like even at worst, the other bad team has twice as many points as us. That's Sunderland, and they're taking in West Brom at uh, it's it's the normal time slot on Saturday, three GMT, ten Eastern um, against Watford. Yeah, I mean Watford was a team. I was like, oh, they're they're going to be in the relegation race this year, but they already have twenty two points. 
Yeah, and thanks to three against Villa. Um, but yeah, so I guess we have to root for Watford over Sunderland, which, yeah. okay. Um, um, the game directly following that on Saturday, the late the late game, Manchester United, we're going to need a win from them against Burnmouth. <laughs> what, do you think uh, Burnmouth can uh, drop them from the Champions League? <sighs> well, they were dropped from the Champions League the other day. Hey. <laughs> And if you want to start off your Saturday morning early, you can go ahead and root for Everton against Norwich. Oh, yeah, yeah. You they're can... stuck on 13 points, too, so might as well. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think I mean, probably don't need to do a whole lot of rooting. I think Everton are quite a good team. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, yeah, Sunday, so after, obviously after you rooting for Villa against Arsenal, um, it's going to be Spurs. You're going to want Spurs to beat Newcastle. Yeah, so your your weekend rooting interests Everton, Manchester United, Spurs, and Watford. Or, uh, or screw screw the romance of football. Root for Manchester United and Spurs. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> football is a beautiful game, so long as you don't actually care about not getting relegated. Or so long as you don't have to watch Villa. Oh God. Um. Yeah. yeah. Lastly, that that brings us to Arsenal early. The early game on Sunday, one thirty GMT. What eight thirty Eastern? Seven thirty here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna try to get to the pub, but mm, so no guarantees. Do you think your pub opens for a seven thirty match? Yeah, yeah, they do. It's because it's it's a Villa Arsenal and Man City bar as we're fan. Yeah, they'll be open. Thanks. Well, last time we met, of course, was 4-0 at Wembley. Mm, Don't want to talk about it. Okay, good. Nor do I. All right, last time we met was, I don't even remember, and nothing happened in May. One time when we met, we won. Yeah, absolutely. Matt wrote about that. We won 3-1. Remember that time Antonio Luna scored against them? Oh, my God. Yeah, (laughs) one of you is still our left back. <laughs> strange player. He might be better than Kieran Richardson. May, at least funner. Yeah, absolutely. At least a player you like you like to root for is Tony Moon. Yeah, this, he's a nice guy. What I mean, cares if he's good. I mean, he's yeah, all terrible. <laughs> I'm not really sure what there is to say about Arsenal. If just being honest, Arsenal are going to crush us. They have a lot of injuries. Alexis Sanchez, Mikel Arteta, Thomas Rosicki, Jack, Wilsh- Jack Wheelchair, uh, Danny Welbeck, Francis Coquelin, and Santi Cazola are all listed as injured, but we also have uh, Micah Richards listed as injured. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. And does it matter if Arsenal has all those players injured? I mean, it's it does because if you get to think, what if another one or two gets injured during the match? Then, then it's. I mean, it just is. Our, it's such an arsenal thing to do is to have ten players on the training table. Yeah, no, that's true. I don't know. I just it's that feeling that Arsenal's B squad is still head and shoulders above the best Aston Villa has to offer. Yeah, I, I definitely feel you on that. And, and they're they're in second with cut thirty points, five times as many as us. <laughs> Behind the mighty Leicester. Yeah. Which is unbelievable. Just... Oh my god! I, I have to admit that it's probably my fault because uh, before the season I bet on Villa to be the top Midlands club and I bet Leicester to be relegated at like <laughs> like four dollars on each of them or something like. If you go based on last the last few years, Leicester are safe with two more wins. 
or zero more runs. They could manage six draws. Yeah, you know, it, it just, oh, my God. Um, so this weekend is probably a wash. You mentioned that after that, the schedule gets a little bit easier. Yeah, after after playing host to Arsenal, we'll, we'll travel to Newcastle, then host West Ham, and then two more trips to Norwich and Sunderland. Yeah, and I... That's, that's to... Uh, to, cl- to close out 2015 and on January 2nd opening the, the new year against Sunderland. Yeah, just get within striking distance before January happens so that Randy has to buy. Yeah, and like, like uh, who was it, Herbert's piece, I think, right, that mentioned Leicester's greatest day. They had 10 points at Christmas, so that's, that's got to yeah. be the absolute lowest benchmark. It's a, it's a win and a draw against Arsenal and Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that shouldn't be tough at all, right? Yeah. God. All right, that's all I got today. I, yeah, that's. I'm I mean, sorry, I really yeah. don't want to talk about Arsenal because I just. Oh. Yeah, James and I actually did a prediction last week. He nailed it, one-one. Are you uh, gonna do a prediction I, this I said, week? I said two-two. Um, I was gonna say nil-nil, nervy nil-nil. Uh, I'd be very happy. I'll go two-two. What the hell? As long as you can just piss off the Arsenal fans, it's a good day. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Someone go break Arsene, Arsene Wenger's leg. Or just a zipper. And that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Either right. or, or Sanchez can break their players' legs. Hutton. Okay, the last thing, I have to go back to Southampton because about 30 seconds into the match, he just shoved Ryan Bertrand into the turf, and it was, that was awesome. <laughs> that's like for leaving us, a-hole. Hutton getting getting into getting into the action early, and he didn't even pick up a booking until like the eighty something minute. It was great. Oh, wow, like, why is this ref doing this? Is Hutton like for Christ's sake? But God. yeah, we don't. We, frankly, we don't want to talk about Arsenal, and we've already talked about Villa enough. So it's going to be the end of our show. Remember, still on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play Store, YouTube. Thanks to all you for watching. Or listening there. Remember, match early early Sunday. We'll have all the coverage for you leading up to the match on 7500tohold.com and on Twitter at 7500tohold and Facebook, of course, you can find us there as well. So for Robert Lintot, I'm Jack Grimsey, and we'll see you next time on the Holdcast.